Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Now, you might be surprised if you remember that I told you that there will be just a single episode in February. And it's completely true, because this is not it. This is me, talking on Skype with Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess from The Astonishing Legends about various subjects, mysteries, podcasting, Lyme disease, USSR, and many others. It's not narrative and it consists of a lot of rambling and weird tangents. Still, I believe that you might find it interesting to listen to while we're working on Chernobyl and fixing our past mistakes. Oh, and if you don't know what the Astonishing Legends podcast is, then after listening to this, be sure to search them up and give them a listen. They talk about mysteries, weird things, and, well, Astonishing Legends. They are my label mates from Dark Myths, and are great guys in general. Anyhow, enjoy this extra show. Greetings, comrades. I mean, astonishing legends, guys. So, I'm glad to have you here. I'm glad to have you here. You actually do sound as, as great as you do in your podcast. So, well, thank uh, you. I, I actually have a sinus infection, so... That's why he sounds even better. I have a little more gravitas, <laughs> I think. Yeah, it, it, just, it just adds something, something to your voice. So, uh, thank you for agreeing to do this to me. And I, I just wanted to start with, with some of our listener questions because this, this year, listeners of the Eastern Border, is a special that we're doing. You're not going to get the second show in February. You're getting this. I hope you enjoy it. We hope so, too, because they'll be di- we hope they're not disappointed. <laughs> Why is this important? All of this idea with the interview with you guys came from uh, a friend of mine who's 42. He has two kids, and, and he's one of my best sources on what was going on in the Soviet era in the Soviet Union, because he started all of this, and he complained about how it has changed our mentality and everything, and I guess you're, you're about the same generation as, as he is. My, my dad's 58, yeah, yeah. so um, yeah, I'm just I'm 40. their stories and everything. I don't know if Forrest wants to say how old he is, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm 46. Yeah, I just turned 50, but we, it, we listened to your uh, Olympic Burger podcast, which we thought was great, yeah. very interesting, entertaining, uh, funny, and... Uh, that is our era. I mean, we were real young then, but we, kind of, you know, you vaguely remember a lot of that happening. 
uh, around the uh, 1980 Olympics. Yeah, absolutely. See, see, that's that's the thing here. I, I kind of tried to try to project some some of these identities which we have had here, and I just wondered. Well, what was it like to think about Soviet Union? Because I was born in 1989. I'm 26 right now. I'm just collecting stories of my my, my father, my father's generation. But what did you think about the Soviet Union? Where did you did you think we had a lot of nukes, or we would be would attack at any moment, or like what was it like to be there while the Soviet Union was still there? Well, I'll go first on this. I can t- I can say that when I was younger, <clears throat> in the 70s, you know, in the, my, but you know, preteen years, but old yeah. enough to understand the world, I was scared to death of the Soviet Union. Scared to it was like a, you know, I grew up with my mom. My parents were divorced, and I grew up with my mom. And every night we would sit down and have dinner and watch the nightly news. And this was, you know, before the twenty-four hour news cycle and CNN and all that stuff. You would, if you wanted news, you sat down at six thirty or seven wherever and watched Dan Rather or whoever. And and it was always about how close we were constantly to both obliterating each other. So <laughs> it was, I was, it was a real fear for me when I was younger and I, I grew out of it and I, it's not, and of course now I should be worried because I feel like everything on both sides is rusting, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but the, it was, it was, it was an oppressive sort of major fear for me as a child, for sure. And, and this is Forrest here. I, uh, so I'm a little older. I think that's interesting. I think a lot of it's personal uh, in that, you know, we all have our personal fears, uh, you know, in, in uh, however order we, uh, we rank them with ourselves. I, you know, growing up a little, you know, I went to high school in the 80s. Uh, I think I started, yeah, 79 or 80 and, and graduated in 1984. So, you know, that was the Reagan era. It was still going on. But I think we were wary of it. Uh, I wouldn't say the tone was was fear. I mean, it's certainly, yeah. I guess what I'm getting at is, certain people are afraid of uh, probably more of nuclear war that happening uh, than others. But I remember it was on our consciousness. But I would say the generation earlier, uh, you know, during the uh, missile crisis of uh, Kennedy and Khrushchev, that they were really on edge. I mean, that came. That was a uh, that was brinksmanship there. Uh, I remember a, I had a um, really cool uh, film professor who wrote, uh, he co-wrote Salvador, uh, and he was friends of uh, Oliver Stone. How oh, cool. Uh, but yeah, he taught classes at USC, and, and we were asking about that, because that was his, he was a young man then, and he said, uh, oh no, I had my car packed up, like, ready to go to the mountains, oh, wow. and, and just <laughs> kind of hunker down. And uh, you have to drive really fast. <laughs> I think. Well, whatever's left, you're going to be uh, bat- battling it out in the in the woods. But yeah, that's how uh, fearful they were as a generation and as a people. They just knew that one misstep, uh, one misinterpreted, uh, you know, shot across the bow uh, during the Cuba blockade could just set it off. And and they knew how things can escalate. So they were very tense. And I think that that tension came down a bit as we saw that. Uh, you know that was that crisis was averted. Uh, we certainly had uh, international tensions still, of course, uh, but I think maybe a little more calm and, and uh, rationality pervaded. But it, again, like what Scott said, and he's uh, the generation uh, uh, younger than that. Certainly, uh, he was wary of it. And yeah, uh, I yeah. guess I was a half step behind you. <laughs> I remember feeling. I mean, the media. Now that I'm older and studied media it's like i was absolutely being controlled by the media and i remember feeling relieved when the tension you know when it yeah. seemed like the cold war subsided 
it's it's there. I would say it's there in the back of your mind, and you know it's a threat. And there's uh, certain facts come to light. I uh, I was going to say, uh, I think after high school, not not too much longer, but uh, you know, in, in Spokane, Washington, where I grew up, there's an Air Force base there, and it ha- it housed uh, B fifty two bombers. Uh, not not any longer, of course. Now it's just um, uh, air tankers, but there's still a, an Air Force base there. And then I believe somehow a, a map of where the Russian nukes were targeted uh, came up, and, and it showed all, all across the United States. And I think uh, we were targeted for like twelve yeah. <laughs> nuclear missiles. And it's like, oh, well, that's that's interesting. Yeah, and, you and, know. and where I lived in North Carolina was targeted as well because there's the Research Triangle Park is there, which is a home of. The, at the time, was the highest concentration of people holding doctorates in the United States. Well, you want to get rid of them, and yeah, yeah and you know, it's the seat of the pharmaceutical industry, for better or worse. <laughs> I mean, yeah. a lot of people I went to high school with are lab technicians yeah. and pharmacists, but not pharmacists that like you see at the drugstore, but that like work in labs, mixing things and testing things. And I sound super smart, right? Now. <laughs> no, you, no, sound like okay. you know smart people. <laughs> I know smart people. Yeah, yeah, that's that's about as far as that goes. But anyway, so there you have it. I, I, and there was an there was an incident once with the balloons, right? weather balloons that almost triggered a launch, and yeah, that was in the eighties yeah, yeah. or the nineties, wasn't it? Recently, it was, it was in eighty three, I think. Maybe. Yeah, that. And when I read that story, that would freaked me out too. That was oh, that, that freaked us out too. Because you see, over here, as far as we know, we we weren't afraid that you're going to bomb us. No, we were afraid that some stupid general over there is going to bomb you. Right. <laughs> well, that's uh, and then yeah, you're going right. to bomb us. Right. We really didn't. We we didn't really believe that that you would start a nuclear war by ourselves. All right. Now the interesting part is why the Cuban crisis. Uh, why it was it so dangerous? Is just that by that time the Soviet Union really only had mid-range missiles. It couldn't really its bombers couldn't even get to you normally. Right. You would just shoot it down. And the big the big like remember Gagarin how he went to space and everything and all that fuss around that one. Sure. See those rockets were created as a byproduct of the Soviet long-range ICBM testing. Oh, okay. And they exploded all the time, and they, they, they were just very slow to launch, and everything went bad for them. Uh, Korovlyov, the Soviet, Soviet missile designer, had like two rockets explode on him, oh. and he died at one point. Oh. So they were so inefficient to be used as nuclear ICBMs that they got, that they got used in, to be shot in space because they turned out to be pretty well for that. Wow. And that's how the Soviet missile, pro- missile space pro- program was launched. I'm sorry, I'm still a bit worried. My listeners know that I, that I suck at podcasting, so uh, it's <laughs> no, you fun. don't. You don't, honestly. Yeah. There's, by, by the uh, way, yeah, yeah. you you can like freely say all sorts of swear words because uh, my my show got reported for has been reported for being offensive so many times, <laughs> even when I don't have anything on it. That I just I just mark every episode as explicit. And like, I noticed that they were all marked explicit. That's funny. Most of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. iTunes removed explicit from some of them by itself because I didn't do it. I always mark them as explicit. Listen, just oh. in case they say something. Yeah, we started out that way, and then we actually got a few letters from listeners who were, you know, because of the nature of our content, were listening with their kids, and they were complaining. They weren't mean about it. They were just like, you know, I'm listening with my 12-year-old. We love your show. I wish you'd clean up. You know, so we now we, we just try to keep it clean for... Yeah. Well, I, I, I kind of try to keep it clean as well, but I there's a lot of mention of alcohol in my show. It just goes without saying. <laughs> yeah, that's what we like about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but that, was, that was an interesting part. Um, see, over here, if you listen, why, why I asked you to listen to the Olympic Burger Show, you see, there were those rumors about Americans going on, going on there. You could, like, totally, you could hear that. 
and to show that there were rumors like um, the West, the evil Westerners are coming and they're going to ruin our communistic ideals. Yeah, stuff like that going on there. Do you have anything like that going on in your country? I mean, some things which were just you know your your show's stuff basically. Something like oh, the, the Soviets must have must have built this dead hand nuclear thing, which actually they have, which is interesting. Oh, what you so do? We, are you saying do we have any sort of? Uh... Weird rumors about wacky myths. immigration yeah, yeah. Im- with regard to immigration or something like that, or not to immigration, but you know the things you, the things people thought Soviets were doing. Some some crazy myths about Soviet. Oh, well, it's funny because we might not know their myths. No, no, your the myths about us in, in the U.S. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I, I think for all the things that uh, the American public was exposed to, and certainly you know our problem here is that whatever comes to light, facts or findings uh, by journalists and such, uh, they're tainted with a, a journalistic view. Of course, they're trying to build excitement and fear and, you know, for, for ratings. So ours, maybe our motivations and our, our filters are much more capitalistic in their, in their, um, their means and their, uh, you know, what they're trying to accomplish than the, than the East, uh, than the Eastern Bloc there. Uh, so we hear things like, uh, the, there was the, um, uh, I believe the American embassy in Moscow, you know, was built. Uh, the 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 agreement was that the Russians would build it. Of course, then they oh, swept yes. it, and there was bugs in every device. The giant uh, placard seal on in the lobby had several uh, had a microphone in it. So everything, it's you know, hilarious. and so we we hear stuff like that. It's like, oh, those yeah, but it's so, completely true. Yeah, yeah that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Bon- and that was a huge underground bunker down down below there. Well, and. That, well. That's what I loved about your Olympic episode, just to talk about how they, they opened the gate to let the wind blow during. <laughs> it's just amazing. Give like, another foot on the javelin toss. Yeah, yeah. that was fat. And my, but my favorite thing that you, the rumor I think that you said that was my favorite out of that episode was the uh, the jeans. That if you put on jeans, you would have to go to the hospital because it would <laughs> poison you. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's. Thanks. So we, we didn't have anything that kind of crazy or, or far out because, yeah. you know, like I said, we're, we're exposed to, uh, you know, global news and information uh, yeah. is, as much as it can be free and, and unfettered. But uh, I think I, I was going to say this because I started thinking about this and, and like what uh, people behind, you know, the quote, Iron Curtain, unquote, you know, that's that's how we saw it. It's like, well, it's the folks over there. They have a wacky way of doing things and uh, they try and pick at. Uh, our intelligence, or certainly we we would find moles, you know, in the um, secret intelligence services uh, occasionally, you know, and, the, and people did get caught. Yes, uh, and we would we would find them. And uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the uh, uh, his last name. He basically was uh, sold Navy uh, nuclear secrets to the Russians, and uh, you know, so we would have our own people even selling out occasionally information. So it was a real thing, but. That doesn't really affect us personally on a, on a day-to-day basis. So, but we would hear all these, uh, you know, you hear, hear stories like that come up, and it's like, oh yeah, that's that's certainly going on, but nothing nothing crazy like poison genes or such. But but if you heard of a plot for that to happen, uh, you wouldn't be that surprised. But what I was getting at is, I I uh, visited Germany uh, about fifteen years ago, and uh, of course after the wall had come down, and I'd met some some of my uh, German friends there had friends that uh, grew up in eastern Berlin. And uh, they were asking me, of course, questions about America. Like, well, what, what, yeah, it's kind of the same as what you're doing. He's like, well, what did you know about us? And, you know, and I would tell them, and they would have different questions like, are your gyms open 24 hours? Like, yes, they are. You can go, really? You can go, yes, you can go anytime. 
Uh, and so it's, it's a lot of questions like that. But I, and I would ask them, like, well, what, do you, what did you know about the West? And a couple of the East German uh, kids were like, well, you go to an East German history book and uh, the picture of the, the map, the drawing of the map, cut, anything West was blank. <laughs> like from the, from the Berlin Wall westward was just, was just blank. They didn't even include, include it in the map. And the idea was, you don't need to know about that. You don't, don't worry. You're not going there. Just forget about it. They didn't do, do anything important. Just concentrate on where you are now and, and our ideals. So I think when that happens, the information, it, it lends to crazy myths because you really don't know. You don't, you, you don't know the, the, the original truth and you don't know what's true about the myths you hear. So uh, your imagination tends to run wild, you know. But yeah, it basically happened, and that's that's why I kind of wanted you to hear the Olympic Burger because that's the closest we got there, and that was our one fresh breath of air. It really started the whole thing going, and then Gorbachev with Glasnost came, and it was just crazy. Yeah, I, when when Gorbachev came into the picture, I remember as a you know as an as an Amer- young American, you feeling relieved. I was like, oh, this guy wants everybody to be friends. <laughs> that's what I thought anyway. <clears throat> See, he, he was a fanatic in his own way. Yeah. Because because he had to be. As uh, you, you maybe will listen later if you listen to my show at some point. But his one of his grandparents was exiled to Siberia. So he was on this untrusted people list. So he had to be very fanatical and work through all the system to actually achieve anything in life. Which he kind of did. But you know, he's still alive. So, you know, at least right. that's good. Yeah. Wow. It's impressive. Well, knowing Soviet leaders, yeah, it actually pretty much is. <laughs> oh, well. Is there anything you would like to know about the, what's going on here? Oh, boy. <clears throat> I... that, that's, that's, that's a question, by the way, from, from our nice Baltic people, which have sent a whole lot of emails to me. Well, looking at them in my thought, <laughs> you know, I don't I, – and I could – I don't – I really know nothing. I'm very provincial. <laughs> I, I have been – you know, I've only been to – uh, as a traveler, I think Forrest has traveled more than I have. You know, I've been to London and I've been uh, to um, Ireland, and that's pretty much it. I didn't even make it to yeah. France and Mexico. Yeah. I've been. My father has a house in yeah. in Mexico, so I've been there a fair amount of times. But I don't know a lot, so I have this very provincial outlook. Um, I, I, and before we spoke to you today, I wanted to. I mean, this is embarrassing, but I just I just read about Latvia on the Wikipedia page and. Uh, I was pleased to see that every it's, the Wikipedia page says you guys are very happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice. Yeah, and I, I mean, I wonder how you're. What? What? I don't even. What do you do? You're going to school. Are you working as well? I'm working in a local newspaper, regional newspaper. Yes, I'm oh, podcasting cool. and working in the regional newspaper. I used to. I used to do a second job because I'm really not not a very rich person. I used to sell toys at a kid's at the kid's store the supermarket i know oh. more about monster high than i would like to admit oh that's crazy and, <laughs> I feel and I'm, like al- I'm also I- i'm also a board member of the latvian society of fantasy and science fiction that's a thing and we make cons and, and do all sorts of geek oh, stuff oh that's super cool and that's crazy i feel like i might actually know some people that that created monster high because you know my wife's a comedy writer and i feel like i remember that that's that's insane. My my first job was uh, selling children's shoes, so and I had to wear a clip-on tie because the kids were always trying to strangle me. <laughs> you know that's why CIA agents, FBI agents, they're they're uh, mandated to wear clip-on ties. Yeah, Did you, you know can't that? get strangled. No, exactly. I didn't know that. That's yeah, that brilliant. is a true thing. I love it. Uh, well, no, uh, I so I had a question though, uh, and it's yeah. it's kind of broad. Uh, you know, as far as uh, uh, basically to the to the Latvian people. 
so I actually met uh, maybe five or six months ago. I, I met uh, a, a Latvian guy, young guy, and uh, he was uh, with some other friends. I, a guy I work with is married to a Swedish woman uh, okay. who's actually Finnish, but you know her family basically grew up in Sweden. So they you know they they have kind of two identities. They're they're uh, uh, I guess cult. Uh, not culturally, yeah. But, uh, Finnish and Swedish aren't aren't that far apart, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's what I was right. So what I was getting at is, is that the one guy they they were they were Finnish um, by birth, but grew up in Sweden, so they had the Swedish identity. Uh, the one kid, the um, the nephew, I guess, of my my friend, uh, my work friend's wife, uh, he had brought in, uh, he had brought a a Latvian guy kind of on vacation with him. So I was talking with him a bit and. Uh, he would spend a lot of time in Sweden studying medicine. So it's just, it's kind of this weird mishmash. So I guess my question is, uh, the, for the Latvian people, uh, now, of course, that you're uh, after the fall of the Soviet Union and the, and the bloc there, uh, what's your identity like as a, as a nation? Do you, do you feel, it could, because it's all kind of a mishmash. There, there's a huge Swedish influence, of course. There's a Russian influence. Uh, you have Belarus to the, to the, to the south. Uh, you're, you're bordered by all these countries, and, and do you think that the, the Latvian identity has grown stronger after the fall of uh, the Soviet Union? Latvian identity has just remained it just throughout the Soviet Union. Yeah. See, the trick is our, our cultural best period in time, which we kind of revere, is the 1920s, 1930s, when we already had our independent country, and when we had authoritarianism. Our fascist leader which actually calling him fascist is by political ideology. He never killed anyone in all the, all his time in power. Yeah, but those are considered to be the best years for Latvia. Karl Sulman is, is our national hero. We have a monument for him here. Wow. He was an authoritarian leader, but we really loved him. He just, he's just the best guy ever. <laughs> That's <laughs> so awesome. what we call a benevolent dictator. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was like truly, he called himself the father of the, of the nation. And we actually see him that way because he's like, Okay, he is what you would imagine, because he was one of the people who were there since the very beginning. He was one of those guys who actually made Latvia. So imagine this. He's like our George Washington, except he actually became a dictator for a while. Oh, wow. That's, That's fascinating. That is interesting. So so you're saying that probably, the uh, from what I gather here, the... Uh, but the, the identities... Wait, wait, I'm, I'm just going to finish this one up yeah. okay. real quick. Yeah. The trick is we were ruled by Germans for 700 years. 700? Until, you know, Riga was made in 1201. Lutz wow. was found in, 11, in 1177. Okay. Lutz is older than Riga, by the way. See, so since the Baltic Crusades, we have been ruled over from the big government by the Russians, Swedes, also Germans, Livonia, everything. But the local German nobility has had, had been staying here all the while, all the time up to, like, all, all the time up to World War II. They just left when uh, Hitler recalled them. Right. But they had been here. We had we have had a huge German population here, um, and that has also influenced our Latvian identity quite a bit. We don't feel Swedish at all. We don't feel Belarusian at all. Right. And and Russia is is a very touchy subject here because we have a lot of ethnic Russians living here, obviously. Yeah, right. Because they were they were basically sent in. Some of them escaped here during the, during the split between old believers and the Orthodox and Orthodox Church. So they're the cool guys who have been living here since the 18th century. But a lot of people were forcibly moved here from Russia as my people. Basically, Stalin killed 40% of Latvians. Uh, wow. Guys. Yeah. Yeah, so he sent them to gulags in Siberia, just murdered them, purged everything. And that he did it in 1940. 
before Hitler arrived. Right. He started doing that. So, yeah, when then, after, after all of this ended, and we kind of were remained in the Soviet Union, and a lot of people really hoped that you would start a war over all of this, because we were really <laughs> desperate. Um, after that, there was a huge colonization process, and during the 60s and 70s, tons and tons and tons of ethnic Russians who were just born in the Soviet Union were just brought in here as a colonization Russification effort as well. So right now, right now we have the situation where we have a huge, huge about 20% of our population who just have been living here for about 25, 30 years and don't even speak Latvian and don't want to speak Latvian. They just don't want to assimilate and they're the pro-Russian crowd you see. But then there are a lot of good Russian people as well. So ethnic Russians who live here, they do feel Russian, but they don't want to live in Russia because they've been there. Now, ethnic Latvians, actually comparing them and saying that we have a part of Russian identity would be considered terribly offensive. Okay. That would be like telling a Jew, well, now do you have a German identity? Right, right. <laughs> no, it's, it's just so fascinating that, uh, you know, the, the land and the peoples there are, you know, thousands of years old. Uh, but your national identity has changed, you know, depending on who's occupying you and who's emigrating into your country is kind of fluid and not and not that old. If you're saying it's past the uh, the turn of the 20th century, uh, things are still being formed. It's, it's kind of like, yes, like my uh, uh, Finnish friends, they were saying that uh, they're, you know, they're, they're, they have to put up with Russia, but there's no love lost. <laughs> there's, they're yeah. really, um, uh, as a smaller country and, and uh, prone to be bullied by the larger one, that they have a real uh, fierce Finnish identity and, and want to preserve that. Yeah, same, same here, actually. I mean, all of this weird stuff going on here, I mean, this, this is one of the things which I'm going to try to explain at some point, but, see, we get, we get called fascists all the time, uh, <laughs> which is because, because by, by Russians, because, you know, in 1941, a lot, of, a, lot of us, a lot of Latvians volunteered to fight for Hitler, but it wasn't like we were going to be Nazis, it was just that, you know, Hitler literally liberated and saved Latvians. Right, right. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, and, and he, he at that time had promised that we would be an independent kind of independent country together with Estonia and, and Lithuania if we would help him. Now, he was lying, but we didn't know it back then. So our, a lot of people volunteered to actually go and fight the Bolsheviks because that was the only way how they could do it after all of what had happened. And we, have a, and we have a memorial day for them on the 16th of March for those people. We also have a general memorial day at the end of the World War II in the 9th of May, by the way. That's, how, that's when the Russians kind of celebrated. Uh, but yeah, in the 16th of March, all of the Russian media and some, some very crazy American media just love to call us terrible Nazis. Well, except that, except that we, we were oppressed in our own country until like 1918 when we got our own country. And we had always been like best friends with Jewish people and everyone else who weren't the majority and rulers over here. So it's kind of weird. Well, it's a very current, uh, you know, problem. I mean, you look at you look at uh, Western Europe and and France, and of course that's being discussed here in the United States as far as uh, you know uh, Middle Eastern influence. And and here, of course, we have you know in the southwestern United States, you have uh, uh, a Latin American influence, and then how much of that is morphs into a new identity. And how that how does that affect the people that are already there that have their own identity which came from somewhere else just you know a couple hundred years ago anyway so it's, it's yeah it's constantly fluid but it's it's interesting how uh, where things land and it's kind of like uh, uh, even city by city if you listen to our our KGC um, 
episodes on the, on the Knights of the Golden Circle. Well, you know, having lived here in Southern California, if it's it's kind of crazy to believe that El Monte, California, just a small kind of a sleepy, not yeah, it's a, it's a little suburb, I guess, east uh, of Los Angeles. Uh, How many people probably, live there, by the way? Was that? How many people live there now? Oh, I don't know. It's probably. Uh, it's hard to say. I wouldn't want to make I a mean, guess. I mean, hundreds of thousands. I met, the thing about Los Angeles is that it all bleeds together. Exactly. It's almost like continuous housing okay. from, it's, from the beach to the mountains. It's and, sprawl. Yeah, there's no – if you were driving through, there's really no – you wouldn't get any sense just driving and looking out the window that anything has changed. It just all blends into one giant sprawl. Uh, but I, And I'm sure that was a lot less uh, uh, – notice, uh, a lot more noticeable in the um, – Prior to the turn of the century in the 1850s. 115,000 mm-hmm. yeah. is as of 2013. But yeah, there's no clear boundaries. <laughs> there's no geographical just, boundaries. I'm asking because what, what is the town for you and the small rural settlement is quite different for us. The yes. the country only has like 2 million people in total. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I get that too because I, you know, I'm from, I, I was born in California, but I grew up in Af- and I lived in Denver, Colorado, and then eventually North Carolina. And North Carolina has some very small towns as well, which most of my my mother's family is from small towns there, but my, my city, the Raleigh, North Carolina, where I went to high school, when I lived there, I think it was 150 or 175,000 people, and now it's it's with its greater incorporated area is something like three quarters of a million or something like that. And, and it, it depends on geographically where you are in the country, of course, because like what Scott's saying, it's like if you live in a small town that's kind of rural, to get to the next one, you drive and you drive and you go through forest and woods. And uh, there's no, there's not much habitation. There's, of course, li- people are living everywhere, little every nook and, and cranny of the, of the country. But uh, mm-hmm. it, you may drive a while and not see any, any, many cars uh, or other people or homesteads, and then you get to the next town, and then, then it's like, oh, well, here's we're at, we're in another little town here. In Los Angeles, the geographical area, because it's flat, it's just like what Scott was saying. It's it's so. Uh, it is so spread out. You there's don't really no indication it. of yeah. when you leave one town and get into another one. Yeah. You, you just but don't know if because there's no break. There's yeah. no borders. There's yeah. no. It's not like the houses and buildings go away. It's just nonstop. Yeah, you have to drive north uh, <laughs> over the uh, the Interstate Five, uh, heading north, and uh, what we call the Grapevine, which is the first kind of mountain pass to get out of Los Angeles. And then you notice you're climbing an elevation. Then it really feels like you're going somewhere else. It's thinning out. Yeah. Right. But but what I was saying about El Monte, like back. You wouldn't. It's just hard for us to believe that, like that was a hotbed of of uh, secessionists. That yeah, were... a hotbed of activity, which you know, in terms of history, I think both domestically and internationally, people think was probably rooted primarily in the southeastern United States. Yeah, and then it turns out that they had this huge base here in Southern California on the west coast. Well, that's that's kind of the point we we're trying to make in the podcast is that it sounds crazy now, and people would not be- probably believe you if it weren't documented uh, from the newspaper uh, articles of the time which were which were slanted one way or the other but depending on the editor but the uh, in in El Monte yeah being a, a hotbed of secessionists and San Francisco had a lot of uh, pro secessionists uh, living in it and now it's, you wouldn't believe it because it's it's one of the most liberal con- cities in the United States maybe the most liberal yeah. and it's just like what like, that doesn't make any sense and and just how things change Within 150 years is crazy, and and we were saying that the the pro, the secessionists and southern sympathizers uh, sympathizers of the South, if they could see El Monte nowadays, they would just they probably die. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they would just explode, and their heads would explode. Wow. But yeah, it's just how how things change here. It's different, but uh, you know the march of humanity is constant. So.
Well, really interesting. Kind of, because over here, our nationalism, so you have all of this, what, what I think holds the United States together is, is all of your liberty ideas, liberty, equality, pursuit of happiness, all that stuff. Over here, it's kind of more of our nationalism thing, which, which is really strong in Eastern European countries. I mean, that, that's why Czechoslovakia is split into Czech and Republic and Slovakia. It's kind, of, it's kind of interesting to think about different things which keep countries together. France is kept together by the republicanism, for example. And, and the British, well, the British are just weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're an island. I just, it's funny you say that. I just texted Scott uh, the other day about, uh, uh, I sent him this old music video uh, from Madness. Oh, uh, it's an old yeah. ska band here. It was very popular, uh, you know, when I was in, uh, when I was in college. And, uh, you know, and, and it's like, they're, the, the Britons, the Brits, uh, the English folk, the Irish, the Scottish, they're basically our cousins. And, you know, we, we politically call them that. And, and, uh, a lot, you know, a lot of immigrants, that's, that's who we came from. And, and you look at it now, it's like, it's similar, but it's so different. And just, <laughs> and the things they do, you know, we think are odd. And of course they, they think are odd, but we both speak the same language with a, with a different accent, and uh, they—they've—we've kind of molded into our own identity. Uh, even uh, you know, and, and it hasn't been that long. It hasn't been thousands of years. It's only been a, a few hundred. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, but it's—it's it's interesting how all of this really shapes shapes up the way you think and how how really where you are and what language you speak. The place changes the language, and then the language changes how, how you actually think about things a lot. Because, you know, I read this and I studied that, for example, Russians can see more tones of blue than you can. Oh, because, wow. Yeah, really, it's, it's a study there because you, they have more different names. They have Sini and Galboy, you know, they have more names for different different separate... Yeah, there, separate there's a great Radio Lab blue. episode about uh, color, uh, how, how people saw color in the ancient world and how colors were described in Homer's Iliad. Uh, that the way to describe things... Uh, don't make sense here, and that the theory is that yeah, back then their eye, their they didn't see the same the colors the same way as we do now. Hmm. That the, their color palette was limited and, and and different. But that's very that's fascinating that uh, that even occurs. Uh, you know, in the in the eastern countries. There we go. I'm already feeling inferior. <laughs> see, see, see. This this always happens because because the way your language really directly influences the way you speak, you you think about things. Sure, it's it's kind of weird. Yeah, but one one more thing. I'm just gonna gonna go through. I have all these. I have all these questions. I must ask you. Oh yeah, how many Latvian fans do you do, do you need so that Forrest would start pronouncing Riga just as well as he does with Edinburgh? <laughs> uh, I, it takes me a while to practice. That's what people don't realize. Like if you if you try to. That's why my impressions are terrible. That I love to annoy Scott with them. Is that I, I think I have the bass tones, but I don't practice them. So he's like, "Those are terrible. Stop doing them." <laughs> but uh, uh, if you, yeah, if you say it a couple of times, I'll give it. A, I'll give it a shot here. It's, it's not the simple. It's just actually it's with, with a long I. It's Riga. 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 Yeah, but harder R. Okay. Riga. Riga. You, you're Riga. supposed to say Riga. Are you yeah. saying it like that to get us to pronounce it right? Where do you are you really supposed to hold that I sound that long? You're supposed to you're supposed to hold the tie sound that long. Riga. 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 Am I close? Yeah. 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 Okay. That's, that's great. Oh, also, yeah. side guys, I did it first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you yeah. beat me to the punch. <laughs> 
No, it's it's it's, it's funny. We're we're kind of like language nerds, and uh, to a degree, me, me probably more so. But uh, we we really want to get it close. Yeah. And uh, and and it, and it kind of pains us a little. Not I mean, people will be being nice, like, hey, you know what? It's it's Mi'kmaq. It's not Mi'kmaq. We well, knew yeah, that. We knew so that. But it's Native like, American I, tribe associated yeah. with Oak Island. Yeah. And, and, we, and got the, some, we got some pushback. I, I know what I know what Mi'kmaq is. I play Europe Universalis for now and then. <laughs> <laughs> No, we, we really do, uh, you know, we, we try and be very respectful of uh, different cultures, especially, you know, the ones that we're, we're studying and, and we try and get it right. But, uh, and like I said, it's it's great to have connections now. Of course, uh, uh, we have a, an, a, an authority on German, Russian, uh, and uh, European languages to, to ask. Uh, That's but it, you, by yeah. the way. <laughs> but it was, it's funny, there was a, there was a, well, there's two better, things. Better, I want ask, to, better yeah. ask the guy from history of Germany and the Bohemian and Secret Cabinet. That that guy, that guy is actually knows German and speaks German a bit better than I do. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> okay. he's lived in Czech Republic, which is like right next to Germany. I am fluent in it, but he just could get the pronunciation actually a bit better, I think. Okay, ah, good okay. to know. But I'm, I'm your Russian expert, okay? Yes, okay. yes. <laughs> we'll take it. I really like your show just because you're doing all these different angles things. My 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 editor, she's she's kind of she's very into supernatural things, and she said I'm listening to them, but I am yet to pass any judgment. Okay, good. <laughs> she told me to. She told me to tell this literally. I don't I don't know what that means. Though she hasn't decided. Yeah, I, does that mean she hasn't decided whether she likes us or not? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm, right, I'm well, a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. I actually found you before Dark Myths because uh, I'm a huge fan of UFOs because I had this weird experience when I was like about 10. I'm not saying it's UFO, but it was just, you see, Latvia is like, we have some cities and then there's just complete countryside. 59% of Latvia are forests. Oh, wow. And I was like, and I was, uh, yeah, it's very forested. And my old countryside home when I was like living with, with, in summers when I was like 10 or 12, all the summers I spent there with my stepdad and his and his family, you know. And during the day, I wasn't allowed to play video games, so I just went out and shot, shot things or fish. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
and stuff like that. <laughs> so it was somewhat similar to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, but, but but essentially one 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 evening when I was allowed to go back inside, I just kind of had to spend a lot of time. Oh, damn it! What is wrong with you, tablet? Anyway, <clears throat> I was I was I wasn't allowed to go inside until it was dark. So it got really dark, and I went inside, and I you know. Uh, it was really dark and I was watching the television and I remember that everything suddenly turned very bright orange, all of it. And it wasn't one of those green ray things which happen just as the sun goes down, right? Yeah, yeah. It was about an hour into, it was about an hour into the being, being dark part of the summer. And we, we were just, at the, same, at the same time we were next to a river, which was about River Vant, and the closest other village house thing was about seven kilometers away, just like right now, or okay. here in Lodzin. Sure. Because Latvians have these cities, and then they have tiny houses scattered all over. And it was just, everything just went brightly orange outside uh, for about five minutes, and then just then just disappeared. And there was there was a very strong smell of ozone outside. Oh. Now, I don't know what that was, but I, I, after that, I, I had read something about the UFOs, and it was my very creepiest experience, both personal one, because all of this, I could see the trees, the river, everything perfectly from my window. Wow. Was, it, uh, was there any sound? It was, it was a, a, a kind of a low hum, a very low hum. Nothing yeah. much, but just just a very low hum. But no I didn't explosion. See any... No explosion. No. Like... No, no, nothing. No, oh. no. It was just a very low hum. I was just hiding and hiding inside and not going outside at all. So I didn't see any ships actually or anything like that. Just everything turned orange. There was wow. this low hum, and then there then it just disappeared. Just everything turned black at an instant, and but it was like. It's not like the the orangeness came from a single source. It's just that everything around me turned like all this air was full of this orangeness. It's wow. like uh, you would you would just chop up uh, chop up an orange and just toss it out. You could just look that. Right. That's. No, it's it's not it's not like daylight. It's something very unnaturally yeah. orange light. It, you know what I'm picturing now is the that classic scene in Close, Close Encounters. Encounters yeah, third when they take the little boy. Buried. Have you yeah. seen Close Encounters? No. Oh That's, my goodness! Uh, you're gonna have to. Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. But the there's a scene when the the they come to get this little boy in the movie and. That's exactly. Yeah, just, I mean, it's Spielberg. But know, it's but, but the, the whole yeah, of course, he's really into uh, into really warm, glowing light. But the whole house is surrounded by these really strong shafts of that deep orange, yeah. amber light coming streaming through the windows. But there course. weren't any rays or anything. It was just uh, everything was orange. Oh, right. you're saying so? Rays. Basically, just the it's it's like the air, the light was electrified orange kind of everything was illuminated yeah but it was bright wow, wow. Ah, I'm, okay, I'm okay with people spreading the word around also yeah listen to dark myths dark myths is yes. good yes 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 <laughs> yes listen to dark myths yes no it's a great uh it's a great collection of uh it, and, and you get quite a variety like i said your your show is uh, uh a, a great insight into uh you know, culture that a lot of Americans don't just don't know about, unless of course you know people who have come from uh, the you know, Latvia area or uh, or Lithuania and that, yeah, that kind of region. There, uh, we, you know, we of course you can look up online. People just don't hear. Uh, there's not a lot of mix. It's not you were saying earlier about uh, the language you were able to speak, and that's just being European. Uh, but here, it's like you know, it's a big continent, but we are kind of isolated. Unless you unless you know somebody who's emigrated here, so really, we have a lot of immigrants from all over the country uh, or from all over the world. But yeah, and Los Angeles is very diverse. Yeah, but you don't uh, right. You, you don't have you don't need to speak three or four languages to get by. Yeah. Right? So, uh, Fortunately yeah. for us, yeah. Right. 
<laughs> having trouble. I'd say English. unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I did study French. I studied French for four years. Oh, well, you wouldn't know it. By our no, you yeah. wouldn't know. And then, <laughs> I, and, and but when I go to Mexico, I will say because of the French I took. If I'm down there for more than a couple of weeks, which I don't get to do very much, yeah. but the, the time that I was, I was surprised how, like, by the third week, I was, I was becoming able to converse in Spanish, even though I never yeah. studied Spanish yeah. because it's so similar to Fran- French. But interesting. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, but, uh, enough you, about me. Yeah. Do, <laughs> you, do you have any, uh, any other questions from uh, your Latvian listeners? Uh, I have a question from a listener called uh, Jordan. You might have heard of him. Oh uh, yes, he's also in the dark myths. Of course, yes, yes yeah. of course we know. Well, there's two Jordans, right? <laughs> this, this 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 would be the the one of the Twilight histories. Okay, yeah, yeah, great. Jordan Jordan wants to say that he's still he's still startled by the Dyatlov Pass. I'm going to say it your way now. <laughs> no, Whatever. don't say it our way. Say it the right way. <laughs> no, please, yeah, please. <laughs> so we'll, we can learn. we'll learn from you. Yeah, yeah. he he still he he really enjoyed the Dyatlov Pass uh, thing, and he was still startled about it and lost so what did you think happened there did you really believe in the yeti theory did you think the yeti was in the picture somehow you know what uh, it's funny when we were doing um i and this is what's great about doing these stories that because they're unknown no one really can say they have their own theories they're very personal people get very upset if you don't agree with them or uh, you know mention something that they believe in uh but as we were doing this uh last one on uh polybius and mk ultra and just the reactions of, of people, I started to rethink about Dyatlov. Dyatlov? Please say it again. Dyatlov. 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 See, technically the D-Y thing, yeah. it's spelled like a G with a little dash on it. It's a very soft G. I mean, say Sega, right? Sega. Sega. Yeah. Sega. Like from the company Sega. Sega. Now imagine that G sound being extremely, extremely soft and mixed with, with a Y. It's ah. D. Jetlov. 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 It's not j. It's j. It's very soft. Jetlov. Okay. Say Sega and imagine that G being extremely soft. Yeah. Jetlov. Sega. Sega. I'm not doing it. I'm going to work on it. I'll practice at home. I'm going to listen to this recording. I'll practice at home. No, getting back to what I was saying is that just the... Uh, the reactions of people at some of the, uh, like BZ3, I think is, a, is another uh, hallucinogenic uh, psychotropic drug they were testing on people. And then it started to make me think about, I really do believe that there's something about, I, I don't, I, it's not like I don't believe in the Yeti theory. Uh, they may have seen something. That photograph is kind of creepy and who knows. Uh, but I think the, na- the very nature of what we know is that they all panicked. If you take that core thing, they all panicked at once. They, they went out away of the tent that was not did make it made no sense it really saved you no time other than uh they freaked out these were very uh knowledgeable people but to run out of a tent with no shoes and not and not dress properly uh caused something so then it made me think of there i do believe there's something about those glowing orbs and that one that the greatest photo of the whole series is that exploding orb in the sky uh, yeah, where that you can wasn't see the from their camera was it i don't know we i you know what i never got to i'll have to look into that more i think that was but, from a, a an incident that happened at, at close to the same time, close but in, the same in another time. valley, okay, but and not far away. Yeah, but the, the descriptions around that time of uh, over thirty people reporting something like that, and I don't, I'm not saying that's a government experiment on uh, psychotropic drugs or aerial dis, uh, aerial aerialized dispersal of such things, but we know that they were looking at that. 
Biological. Yeah, biological. And and the, the pilot wanting the bodies to be in a, in a zinc-lined coffin, like, again, I'm not saying that they were victims, inadvertent victims or direct, uh, purposefully, purposefully uh, victimized by uh, these, you know, psychological weapons testing, but, there, but it may have been a side effect of something else. Yeah. See, I really like the forest. I really like, or Scott, one of you said at the end of the Shadow People episode that you, you can't really say what it was, but you really know that they're experiencing something. You can't tell what the experience was. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's human that's, nature. That's what I really like about your show. It's like the same with my experience. I mean, I sort of think it might be UFO-related. I, I kind of want to hope it's UFO. Yeah. It's fun. But I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it was. It just was there, and then it was gone. And yeah, you know, that's that's kind of – I've kind of formed this into a mantra about the whole – about my whole show. And, of course, it's like people who write in and just disagree with us, and that's fine. Uh, that's certainly fair. But my point is, is that um, you can't say what's impossible because uh, on a very grand spiritual sense, you don't know – you can, we can only say what we think is likely and what's less likely. Right, and just because you can't make a conclusion about what it was doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, to, to kind of answer, to get back at, at Jordan's question here, it's like, uh, I, I don't, you, just because we don't know what those photos were, uh, I think it, it could have been some kind of beast creature, but I do believe that there's something. Something freaked them out, either biologically or psychologically. Yeah, I, I don't think, for me, my point of view on it is, and I have no real reason to, to I, I can't say that there's evidence behind yeah. this, but I feel like the photo was them goofing around for the O'Torton times. I, th- I think that's the more likely, Based on the yes. pictures that they, you know, they were making fun of Yeti and right. they probably took that picture for that. So I, I, don't, I would agree. I would totally agree with that. Is that that's again? That's my leaning. Is that I don't think. I think that was more likely them goofing around. Yeah, and I, I believe in the idea of the yeti, and I. But I don't think that's what happened here. Now, what did happen here? I don't know. I'm I'm not sure that whatever happened has been discussed with yeah. even with all the theories. I don't think it's necessarily the truth has ever been. Even a pro, it's not no, like but I'm a, I'm leaning towards more now. I guess what I'm saying is a more you're of leaning a towards psychic, a biological, psychic, uh, yeah. And, and again, not it couldn't it, not necessarily government testing of uh, of bioweapons or psychological agents, but that it was a an action of a psychological a psychological anomaly, yeah. Some kind okay. of some kind of bioactive uh, agent that they came exposed to that made them all simultaneously freak out in that way. And and again, when doing research about MK Ultra and BZ, like some of those are so powerful. They were they're thinking about BZ that the the subjects like you could be thinking you're eating a ham sandwich, but you're actually holding your shoe. Yeah. That that it it totally unhinges your concept and and uh uh what you think is reality. And and even though, even with LSD, you know, which is less you you see more things, but they were they would give the math test of these soldiers that they were testing and the guy says, "Well, I can't. I can't write with this pencil. It's all rubbery. So he knows he's holding a pencil, but it's all like, you know, it's all it's all over the place. And and he's just going, you know, you're everything's melting in the room. But there's some there's some psychoactive drugs though that are so powerful. Uh, you don't know what you're looking at. You, you could be taught. You know, you might think the uh, the scientist in charge is a large talking turkey. And I'm not. <laughs> that's I'm being facetious a little, but not really. I mean, the people. It it just warps so warps your idea of reality. So if that happened to the people in the tent, who knows what they thought was coming through the tent at them that they had to get away from immediately? It's really really interesting here because you know 
the USSR at that time was known for hiding things very well and for really crazy projects. I mean, right. 1959 is the same time when Khrushchev wants to basically turn the rivers around in the USSR, just make them flow in other directions, like people basically <laughs> make, make the step arable. Yeah, that was his plan. It didn't really happen, but he wanted to do that. Also, at that time, biological speaking about biological weapons, you do know that there's an island in the center of the Aral Sea, which is now getting dry, drier and drier, and I think it might even have dried out, which contained a biological weapons lab, and there are, the ground is full with the biological agents there. Yeah, I'm actually and familiar. Now with animals that. can reach that. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am familiar with that. Only it's funny that you should bring it up. I I hadn't heard about it until just this past week. So it's interesting to me that you're just now bringing it up. There's a show that I've been watching, which Forrest hasn't seen, so I don't know what he knows about this situation. But um, there's a show that comes on here on uh, Discovery Science Channel that we, and it's called uh, What on Earth, and it's all stories triggered by unusual satellite images. And they did a story on that because of all of the the satellite images were showing the ships that were rusting out there off that island, but they're just sitting in the sand now. And they were trying to figure out how these ships got there. And so they did a further exploration on it and explained that it, that that island, as you said, which used to be surrounded by water is now accessible and it's contaminated and, it was an it was a in serious biological warfare center, and the interesting thing about that too is there's and I'm this is not something I would normally do without research. We you know we we get we have to be real careful about what we talk about when we haven't done the background on it yet because we can get into trouble. But the off the coast uh, the east coast of North America there is, off the coast of Lyme, Connecticut, there's an island that was a biological research facility and I know because I had friends that um, had sailed up that way actually uh, the guy that used to own the company I worked at in New York was a sailor and he was telling me how on the charts it, and he showed me the charts all the um, the uh, charts that you get for navigation you had to mm-hmm. steer steer clear of this island you weren't to go near it at, under penalty of uh, military repercussions even though it was abandoned and shut down but there are a lot of people in America that believe that Lyme disease, which is a problem here, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it's... it's. Um, I, I have, but we, we don't have it here as much as the encephalitis thing that we're all vaccinated oh, yeah. for. Right, <clears throat> right. It's, um, you know, it's tick-borne primarily, and it's named for Lyme, Connecticut, where it first made its uh, appearance in North America, and that is... Oh, whoa, really? Didn't know that. Yeah, so it's basically a bird with a tick on it from that island could have flown and brought that disease from the island to Lyme where it became uh, pretty much an epidemic for the United States. So, yeah. Well, some places we know that are, are actual, like we were doing a, the research for MKUltra and uh, there is, it's kind of famous and it's, it's, it's crumbling now, but it's the Edgewood Arsenal uh, by the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland. And that's where they did a lot of the psychological testing with, with, uh, with psychotropic drugs and and who knows what else, you know, the stuff you don't hear about is what is <laughs> makes you worried. You know, the big yeah. thing, one of the big things here, I don't know, I can imagine that, that this happens there as well, but there's uh, urban, are you familiar with the urban exploration or people who go specifically to try to... Exp- oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that myself now. But okay, oh, great, okay. right. So these are places you want to, don't want to urban explore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. what, you, what you do want to urban explore, by the way, if you're ever in Latvia, I'll take you to this abandoned Soviet rocket missile base where, oh. by the way, that's, 
there are like abandoned there are abandoned bunkers. It used to be a nuclear missile base. Oh wow, that sounds really cool. Yeah, I would love to see that. They're turning those uh, into, into uh, doomsday condos here in the U.S. <laughs> you can pay like a million dollars to live in or have well, one of these in a silo. Yeah, that yeah. you can retreat to when the shit hits the fan. So oh oh, don't worry, doomsday. Like I know I know for sure the forest is gonna gonna be all all okay about this. Yeah. You know, he had this he had this, he had this uh, sleep paralysis paralysis thing going on for him. Yeah, yeah, right. So that's the <laughs> Lithuanian thing. The experiencing that and those shadow people, as you call Lietuvans, that's how we call them, and they're also uh, in the folklore. That it's actually a good thing. It feeds off your fear, but then it kind of has to give something to you in return because right. it's not all evil. Right. So it kind of gives you longevity and good health. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember you saying it. it's fascinating. The winters are dark and cold in these parts of, of the world. We <laughs> have to have something. Something. Yeah, yeah. Besides <laughs> and, and stuff like that. <laughs> because of you, I kind of got into all this treasure treasure searching because it really got me interested. You know, there, there was this Kurland, Kurland pocket, which was one of the last places where the German troops surrendered to the Soviets. And we were, because basically Latvians were defending that place so that other people could escape to Sweden and other countries through fishing boats. Okay. The yeah. too. So there are huge. So there's you can just go there with a metal detector and still find a lot of shells, unexploded grenades, all kinds of things. But some people say that there's a lot of a lot of Nazi gold. Always, it's always Nazi gold. Why, why right. does it have to be Nazi right. gold all the time? Yeah. But, but of course, that's that's one of the places where where you have rumors about that. The kind right. of kind of you, you got me really interested because you, you your greatest shows so far as as I've seen them have been about about all sorts of buried stuff and conspiracies. It's great. Well, if you go looking, don't get yourself blown up by antique ordinances. Yeah, be, care- be careful <laughs> with the shovel when the yeah. I mean, I we we have a, a lot of people here, usually retired or older folks that do uh, metal detecting. Uh, but as we were saying with the the KGC episodes, is that it's it's very regulated. If you do find anything, uh, you know, if it's if you're on a Bureau of Land Management, yeah, in area, the US, BLM, yeah, yeah, or you're in a state park, that's illegal there. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you find anything, they want a big chunk of it. So it's a, so people do it, and they find you know they find coins and quarters here and there, and and uh, people and also don't report things as a result of that too. Yeah, exactly. So, but you can find gold. You know, this is gold country, uh, at least out here in the West, and and all over uh, different pockets of the U.S. Uh, you can still, if you're lucky, maybe find some gold nuggets that have uh, you know eroded down from the mountains and the streams, and and uh, oh. people do occasionally find those. You know. I really hope to come and visit you guys one day. Yeah, please, please, please do. It's it's really, really terribly expensive for me. Oh, right? yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, us going there as well, but, you know. And Soviets did a lot of, by the way, and that's, this is documented, Soviets experimented, like, in the response to MKUltra, in biological weapons, they really experimented with um, actual psychics and shamans. And oh, yeah, you know what, um, uh, Chris, I just looked up, uh, I was thinking about that, and, and one thing I, I mentioned in another show is that uh, you know, regardless of what the uh, the, the Soviet uh, uh, secret authorities have done, uh, is that they do really take something seriously. And that you you know Nina Kulagina, the, the psychic and um, uh, the, Nina the, Kulagina. Kulagina, yes. Uh, but they, Nina they were tried Kulagina. Yes. Was, say that again. Nina Kulagina. Nina Kulagina. Nina. It's Nina. like the, the the first letter is is like uh, manana, like the yes. soft Nina, N. Nina the Kulagina. Part. Nina Kulagina. Yes. Nina Kulagila. Kulagina. Kulagina. Kulagila. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If it's N, then, then uh, just, just type it to me. On, 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 okay. On, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, just, have a, we'll have a list. 
love this. But no, I, they they take they search these things out seriously, or at least they. Um, yeah. uh, uh, the same thing with remote viewing. That's why the Americans got into it with uh, Project Stargate. Is that uh, of course it's all based on fear. If the Russians are checking it out, we gotta we can't be behind on this. We gotta see what what we can uh, advance with it as well. So, uh, but it seems like the Russians uh, kind of take the forefront in uh, researching some of these more fringy. Uh, uh, ideas and theories, and just kind of get it, you know, seeing what they can, uh, what they, what they can achieve with it. I mean, and that's very serious. It's all like weaponized because they have been searching for Shambhala, the lost city of Prairie, for a long while already since the Russian Empire. But, but check this out: they have this show over here called "The Battles of the Extrasenses." Like all kinds of psychics, shamans, everyone, everyone just gets invited. Who's a psychic? You call yourself a shaman, a witch. You can read. You can read something. You you can sense something. Whatever. Come to this show. It's like American Idol just for psychics. Whoa, that sounds really <laughs> and they cool. Have it for like ten seasons. All wow, the time, and it's state funded. Wow, that's even that that aspect of the, they, is the craziest part of it. So that state funded, and they and they and they have uh, and they have all of this, uh, and they have like people in the jury, and they have to both find things. Wait, where is the, the show? This is a Russian Battle show. Of, it's a Russian show. Okay, yes, it's also it's also there. They have there have been Americans participating in that one too because it's like it's American Idol for psychics. And the stuff you see there, which is all documented and filmed, and they have professional skeptics, illusionists, and everyone. There have people who believe in this stuff, and they have people who utterly don't believe in any of this at oh. all in, in the jury to, like, That sounds fun. They can one winner each. That time. sounds like a great idea. I hope that Russians, all, all this, they really took all these, all these, I mean, you know Baba, Yaga, Baba, Baba Vanga? No. Bulgarian, right? What now ask yourself this, Vanga, a famous Bulgarian prophet. Okay? She's an old lady. You, you know that. See, the trick is, Soviet Union was openly atheistic, completely, okay. and they basically would, and they shot, and they shot all sorts of spiritual people, all of them, and you could get persecuted for actually celebrating Christmas. It was illegal. Wow! Right, right. Just listen to my seventh episode. Okay, okay. If you want yeah. something, just just listen. Listen to my show. It's not that that. No, we're going to. No, no, no. we. I, no, we I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, we really did. We, you know, the. But thing- yeah, the, the trick is the trick is they didn't shoot. They didn't shoot Vanga, even though she predicted the collapse of, of the Soviet Union, yeah. supposedly because it was like all very obscure. But they really didn't shoot these people, and there were a lot of, as you can hear here in the Olympic Burger, a lot of experimentation psychics was going on. They weren't oh, yeah, big on yeah. drugs, though. They weren't that big on drugs. Because the most popular way of knockouting people were just injecting them with, with hard alcohol. Because it's an alcohol country, not a drunk country. Right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, psychics, psychics were taken really seriously in Russia, so I, I guess you should you should look that one up. Yeah, absolutely. Latvia is a very extremely boring place to live from from that <laughs> aspect. I think it's nothing. Then again, then again, some people say that we are blessed in a way because our our climate is excellent and we're one of the most eco-friendly countries. We're, we're on the bleeding edge of renewable te- renewable energy sources. Oh, that's by cool. Way. That's very cool. Uh, and we are very ecological, and we don't have any volcanoes, tornadoes, or huge natural disasters at all. Right. And that's why the history basically screwed us over so many times here. But right, yeah. And if you think about it, it's kind of kind of weird. Send us uh, uh, send us some pictures from your dad's house there and wherever else if you want. We'd love to see it. Well, well, well I really can't right now. Uh, well, take them, send them later when you get back to Riga. <laughs> Riga. Riga. 
<laughs> great. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take some pictures and I'm gonna send them to you. Um, great. As I understand, you have to go now or something. Yeah, we do. We uh, we we have uh, Forrest is actually help. I, my car has to go to the shop, and we have I have an appointment to drop it off. He's gonna give me a ride, and well, but we can. You know, we can do this. At, yeah, we can do this, pick this up. This is fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. And we lo- we love hearing and exchanging ideas. Certainly. Really, think it, it has been a lot of fun, and I really like enjoy. I really enjoy talking to you guys. Um, so we'll, yeah. have to, we'll also have to wait and see if it worked at all technically. But I am getting. I am we, seeing we, meters for an hour and a half for nothing. Just yeah. Well, no, it was enjoy. Like I said, this will be an enjoyable phone call with a with a new friend anyway. So yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, nothing lost. Uh, but I think next time, if uh, when we do uh, get another session together, we'll probably ask you like, what are the hot new trends uh, in Latvia? Because I'm always curious to like what, like you said, the, was it the Monster High dolls? And yeah, all the other weird, uh, you know, Western stuff that makes its way there. Uh, that's always curious to me is like, what's what's getting over there? What's oh, no, uh, right, right, right now we're completely okay with West. I mean, we're in the European Union. Now. Yeah, we're, we we get whatever you get basically. It's just that our salaries are way lower. Well, I remember still. It's not mortal. The up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, <laughs> no. Did he tell you? It's not. No, mortal yeah, combat. I told it's him. Wait, believe me, lots of people are telling. Oh, us. Oh, there was only. It was not that many. There were, we had three. Aside from your, I'm sure a lot of people thought it and didn't say anything. But this is what was funny is that you know we. Uh, we it's like cramming for a test every time we do a uh, show. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just pouring yeah. through at the last second. Like maybe I missed something. Maybe I missed something because you know after a while. On these subjects, you start to read different articles, but you're all getting this kind of basically the same information rearranged differently. And so I'm just cramming and scanning, looking for any kind of lead that's different. And uh, and I was reading about um, Easter egg codes uh, or, or people finding Easter eggs or, or hacks in Mortal Kombat, which would allow you to play different characters which were not publicized. You know, there's these kind of the rumors and the, and the myths and legends surrounding the gameplay. And I had actually played uh, Contra, Quite a bit, like in, back in 1989, uh, and I remember somebody's brother, or somebody's older brother, had the code, and it like, it's, and back then you didn't somebody telling you that, like, what was that again? And it worked a couple of times where you, you'd get 30 lives, but it wasn't, um, uh, you know, I didn't, I never caught the hang of it real well. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and so, but anyway, we were we were talking, and that's the other hard thing is too, is when you couldn't, uh, uh, you know, we go off our notes or we get away from our notes and, and we, we talk about something that, you know, probably a lot of people think is uh, rambling and, and off topic, but it's like, well, uh, you, you kind of, it's a mishmash. So I was thinking, uh, what's that K sound? If it was a game I played, combat, Mortal, I don't know, probably Mortal Kombat. And then you end up, you know, <coughs> offending a lot of the gamers uh, from the 80s. I, you know, and the thing about come me. On, come on, I, I, did, I did worse, man. In my third episode, I was really worried. And I was speaking about the Soviet culture. And everything, and I actually managed to say that Miracle on Ice involved Canadians, not Americans. Uh, <laughs> I really, I, I fixed that on my page, but you know, I've been starting getting all these emails about this, and I'm like, but I posted that on my page, but nobody's listening. Nobody. No, no, me. you're right. Yeah. Exactly. I know. Nobody's just on iTunes, and that's why that's why I'm gonna gonna spend February trying to fix some things because I have some errors there, which I'm like after afterwards I listen to my show, and then I'm like, oh, what what what, what was that? What did I yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. We fact checking yeah. is is always hard. No, and it, was it, fact, it was it was there in the script. I just mispronounced it for some right. reason. I just mentioned Canada there. Yeah, Such it, a that, shame. shame. <laughs> no, we're we're always very conscious of it, very and, and very upset if something does slip by. Because yeah, you want to present it as much factual uh, uh, to a degree. But it's funny, like you get into some areas which it's not historical. It's pseudo history, pseudo science, and there's no 
there's really no way to prove or disprove it, which is the great element of, of all our topics and shows here is that that's where you end up is that you can't say for certain what it is, but you have a, you have the mainstream idea and then you have the kind of the fringe idea and we want to present all the ideas, but yeah, so it's like, but when you miss something that's pretty factual, like I was probably off by a thousand or 2000 years in my land bridge theory, uh, but not, not, I was in the ballpark, but it wasn't, I wasn't exact with the dates, but it's like, they don't know either. It's just, that's just a guess on, on paleologic uh, records until they find something new. Then, then hopefully they revise their There is thinking. though, every now and then though, there's a few like super well-educated scientists that will come and leave <laughs> us a nasty review on iTunes. Oh, there was I a... can't listen to these guys. They're all their facts are wrong. You oh know, like, yeah. <laughs> no, no. We did, that was just one, that was one guy, but it was funny because like, you know, he's a scientist and, and he didn't say in, in what, uh, but it's like. In science, yeah, <laughs> just in general, just idolized the, it with exclamation mark on top of like from following. Yeah, exactly. that's his degree, just science, doctorate of science. But he, you know, he was just saying, like, well, yeah, none of these are uh, uh, ideas are real. It's like, well, it's uh, that's the whole idea of the show is that there's like probably with the USSR history, uh, what's presented by the government, you 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 collect that idea, and then you have other theories that might be more real. Well, the other thing about that guy's review was at the end, he goes, they should just say they like to talk about this stuff. And it's like, that's what we do. <laughs> it's like, that's why we're doing this. We never yeah. have pretended to be, yeah. you know, more knowledgeable than we are. People, and this, and, and you, you also have to keep in mind, too, it's people's expectations when they come to hear it are different, you know, because we had people's like, well, this show should be like lore. It's like, well, there is already is a show. It's called lore. Yes. That's not, that's not <laughs> this show. I heard that one, by the way. Yeah. yeah, and I like it. I enjoy, I enjoy yeah, it very it's... much, and they're short bites, but it's a totally different presentation to, and a different presented in a different way, and that's great for him. But it's it's not what it's not what got us to do this in the first place. What got yeah. us in the, to do this in the first place is that we like talking about this uh, in you know over the phone, in person, over a few beers, in any manner. But that's the kind of the fun vibe of it, not to present you uh, with a didactic. You know, with a, we're not doing a lecture series. Yeah. Uh, from a university. We yeah. certainly have no credentials doing that, so no. we don't pretend to. Well, yeah, we're still waiting for our honorary degrees, which yeah. is the only way we're going to get the degrees like you have, by the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Wow. Well, I'm sorry. Well, see, I got my show going because I was really, really mad and pissed off at Slate's political advocate. Oh, oh, my yeah. God. I wanted to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> because, because, because they have this so-called expert. Well, they were talking about Putin a while ago. I don't know. I don't, I don't even remember the conversation, but they had this so-called expert who had lived in Moscow for six months and then in St. Petersburg for another six months and then she had worked for Russia Times in, in like New York or something. I don't know. Right. And the things she was saying is like, see, if you, if you know something about the Soviet Union, you just understand that you don't take whatever the, the official press is saying at face value at yeah. all, ever. Right. And she just was presenting them as facts and everything. It felt so terrible. And, and, and I had this collection of, of stories of Soviet Army and how life was. And I just understood that, hey, well, nobody's doing this, and Slate is just being wrong here. That's so interesting. It was, it was, just, it was just awful. So I started to like, started, I started to make the show to kind of explain what is going on, and then it kind of grew to the point where, when I want to go through the history and explain how it really was, but you know, all of these stories which I'm telling uh, just. They just won't make the history books at all. They're just common people telling about how they had to stand and how there how there was no meat in the stores and they had to stand in line for about I don't know three hours to get 
a kilogram or a kilogram if you're lucky, 500 grams by default of, of bad, poor quality sausages even. Yeah. No, that's where you get the real story is, is the people who are living there and experiencing it, not what their organizations do. And in the, in the case of what you're talking about, uh, it, on their part, it's journalistic laziness. It's like, well, we got one person here. You've been there, right? Okay, that's good enough. Just tell us what, what you think without having to, um, uh, to check it out. We were, we were on this little bend, we, a little experiment we were trying to do about maybe seeding uh, some, uh, an interesting fact that would not checked out, but, but seeding it in a podcast. But, uh, it, you know, when we were talking about uh, some guy put out the chocolate diet theory here and that, like, he just let, he leaked this story like, oh, scientists have now found that eating tons of chocolate makes you lose weight. And all the news media outlets picked it up like, no, chocolate diet. It's the, they didn't even check it out. And he yeah. came out just like the day next, next later saying, hey, that was fake. I just want to see who was paying attention. And apparently no one is. You know, they just, they, it was just, it's, it's a catchy headline. They ran with it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but that's 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 what people usually do. I mean, yeah, I work in my regional newspaper, and it was the craziest part. I work in a small regional newspaper. It's kind of like nothing. I, I really have to work here for at least two more years so that I can even apply for some bigger newspaper. I had to get my master's in philosophy just to work here. You can't even be a journalist in Latvia if you don't have a master's degree. Wow, wow, <laughs> that's impressive. Here you have to look it's, good it's, on TV. <laughs> I, well, See, by the way, in the news, did you hear in the news there was this uh, there was this guy, a random guy who went to a Trump rally and his poster got ripped, had, had torn apart, got torn apart. Is that a thing? Are you, are you asking if is, is people's posters getting torn in half? No, or? no, no, no. This one specific guy, he it, it was in it was in Connecticut. I now know how to pronounce it properly. Yeah, that, that was good. good. Yeah, that was good. There. <laughs> so uh, there was this there was this very annoying guy who kind of. Uh, I sit in the, I sit on this foreign policy discussion group where a lot of Americans there on Facebook, and there was this guy who just wanted a lot of publicity. So he basically went. He's a Democrat, but he's very annoying about it. He's in the Democratic Town Committee of <laughs> right. some city. So he basically, and I was I was annoyed because he made the Hartford Standard, which is the very old Connecticut newspaper, and he got in the news because he basically went went to troll people in the Trump rally. He went there with a sign saying America is pretty great already, and it got torn up. And then he argued with some Trump supporters on the street. Oh, okay. And and the fact that he makes he made it, he got mentioned everywhere. His coverage was huge and and crazy and everything. And and I'm sitting there, and I was up to my eighth episode at the moment, and we're in the same group, and I'm like actively actively trying to promote something which I consider to be well, quite good, you know. Something which promotes some some thinking, some reasoning, and then understood that no, no, no. What what what? What the world needs are people who go to go troll other people at Trump rallies. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> it's, 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 my opinion is very simple. Yeah, yeah. Donald it, Trump, the president America deserves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the old saying. Uh, you get you know you get exactly the kind of government the people deserve because you you know whether over time you you allow it to happen. Yeah, and it, collectively or not, that's there. There you go. Uh, but no, if, if anything you do outrageous here, you you know it's a it's a, such a fast twenty four hour news cycle that uh, you'll get a bunch of press, and then uh, a week later people have totally forgotten about you. Well, look, we're gonna have to uh, jet here, but let's let's yeah. definitely uh, try that. Try another one of these again, and and uh, I got some funny things to email you, so I'll be on the lookout for that. I'll, all right. Well, th- no, thank you so much for having us. We're, we're honored <laughs> that you would <laughs> even consider it. <laughs> Well, how to say this? До свидания, сударь, здоровья вам и вашей семье. Thank you. That's like, that's like, that's like goodbye, gentlemen, health to you and your families. 
That's one. Ah, thank you very much. Yes, and same to you. Same to you as well, and tell your dad thanks for letting you stay up so late. It's just then, and I'm 26 now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, then. Okay, See you, then. good talking to you. Take right, care. We'll talk to you soon. I hope you like these ramblings. Next full episode is coming out late February. And, until then, enjoy the Astonishing Legends and other Dark Myths podcasts if you haven't already. Leave this show a rating in iTunes or Stitcher and comment on our site. Feel free to message on Facebook and Twitter as well. Thank you, and until next time, до свидания, товарищи. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The Eastern Border salutes you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.